continue the idea of having the mind of Christ. When we're talking about this series of the battlefield of the mind, there's certain things that you can do, there's certain habits that you can implement in your life. Like if you try really, really, really hard, you can become a better person. I want to encourage you to do that, but there's also a better way, and that is to have the mind of Christ. Like, it's the supernatural way, if you will. It is superior to have the mind of Christ than to strive to be a moral person. If you continually strive to be a better, moral, hardworking person, like, you might achieve it, but you're always going to fall short. But if you have the mind of Christ, if you begin to... Could you imagine if we actually begin to think like God? What would our worlds be like Oh my gosh, what would your life be like if just for a few minutes a day you could actually think like God? Well, this is the promise that he's given us. Uh, last, script, uh, last week's scripture verse was uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 5 through 6. Anybody memorize that one? We have, oh, Carissa did. Let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have the mind of Christ. Good job. Let's give her a hand. Janie, please send her ice cream in the mail. All right. Full-on bribe in you to do this. Um, I love that version because it really gets into the details of Christ's mind. So we have the, the mind of Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. And we know his thoughts his purposes, and even his feelings. His, Jesus has feelings. Like he's kind of an emotional guy. Jesus has feelings. He has feelings towards you. He gets empathetic when you're in pain. I wonder if Jesus gets ticked off when you do bad things. Oh, yeah. He's still good. But he's, he's a real person, and he has feelings. But we get to know his heart. And we get, we get the opportunity to think from his perspective. So we're going to dive into it a little bit further today. Uh, our scripture verse today is Colossians chapter 2. No, excuse me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. But we're going to start off at Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Are you ready for this? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code. That's the law. That's the rule book. With its regulations that was against us, and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. 
And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now let's jump up to chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This is what we're going to go after today. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died. What? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Okay, so we're going to blow this one apart a little bit. This is such a great verse, but let's start from the very beginning. Set your minds on things above. Like, literally begin to think about things that are of above. Set your minds on heavenly things, other translations say. Think about what is in heaven. Have you thought about this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of us have thought about this a bit. Usually when we think about heaven, the first thing that pops into our head, or at least me, because I'm like the cartoon generation, so I'm thinking about Bugs Bunny, like going up that escalator to the pearly gates. Right? Or we may think about, you know, angels on clouds with harps. Or we might be thinking about streets with gold. Most of us are thinking about the mansions that Jesus has promised us. Right? I get a mansion. Who knows? what? We get a dwelling. Is that actually what the literal translation means? I don't know who translated it into a mansion. We get a dwelling with the Lord. It's going to be a good one. I'm sure I'll have great Wi-Fi. Um, anyway, <laughs> you like that? Um, so what does it mean to think about heaven, to literally get your head in the clouds? And did you catch the contrast? Think about things above, not on earthly things. So usually in the scriptures, there's, there's just this very strong use of contrast. Think about things that are in heaven. Don't think about things that are earthly. We spend most of our time thinking about these earthly things, don't we? The tangible stuff. But every once in a while, maybe on a Sunday, maybe when you're stuck at the, on the railroad tracks, or you're trying to read your Bible and understand it. Maybe those weird moments when you're out in nature, when you're out in God's creation. And then there's something that, that there's, if, if this hasn't happened to you, you hang around us long enough, it will. I, I guarantee it. You start getting around people that have had encounters with God, and eventually you're going to get one. You, you're you're going to get what you hang around with. And if you're hanging around the wrong type, you're going to get that too. 
You're going to get everything that they've got. It's going to rub off on you. But if you start hanging around us, there's enough people in this room that have had encounters with God. It's going to get on you. It's going to leak on you. It just is going to happen. And so what I'm saying is, and honestly, like I'm your pastor, and I don't get enough of them. And, and, but there are these moments where I just I click over into a different mind space. Happened at Starbucks the other day. My body's telling me I need some caffeine. And Jesus is telling me something else. It's about developing a relationship with somebody that was in the store. And I'm like, like it wasn't my idea. It wasn't my impulse. It wasn't like uh, evangelism guilt. You know what that is? You know what evangelism guilt is? It's when some, one of those other denominations say, you know, if you don't lead people to the Lord, they're going to go to hell. I, it could be true. I don't know. But the impulse to lead somebody to the Lord because you feel guilty about not doing your job, I mean, that, like, that's, that, it, it, I, I get it. It's totally understandable. But when you have the mind of Christ, when you are his emissary, like all that guilt, all that pressure, all that shame kind of goes away, and it's just fun. It's just fun to be in a little heavenly bubble when we're here on earth. And so the, the, the head that is stuck in heaven, that's the picture that you guys don't get to see today. I've showed it before. It's amazing. I actually have it hanging on my office wall. Not the original, but a, a printed copy that Susan Little got me for my birthday. But it is, a, it is a, the picture of Ezekiel. You guys remember the story of Ezekiel? He's one of the Old Testament prophets. And he's having an encounter with God. And the picture is him. He's got, he's got his entire body in earth, in the earth, like in a garden. And then he's sticking his head through a bubble into heaven. And he begins to see things that his mind cannot understand. Like Ezekiel's vision of heaven is so bizarre. Like we can't, we can't, we don't, we don't know what the heck is going on in that vision. It's bizarre. It's really weird. It's really cool. Uh, the ancient astronaut theories say that, oh, he's, he's seeing a, a flying saucer. Like, it's really that weird. It's so cool. Go read it. But Ezekiel is living from an Old Testament encounter reality where those type of experiences were only set aside for the very few. God's special prophets, his, his emissaries, his priests, on the planet. Just a handful of them from only one nation. That kind of stuff is available to everybody in this room. The Word of God says that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And what, it, what, it, what it's really saying, it's going to get this thing, our, 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 the original intent of our minds, back to its original condition in Eden. Like full-blown supernatural mind. If we allowed the mind of Christ just to come in and to take control, control freaks in the house, right? We all have control issues. To actually let Jesus take control of our mind, that would mean that we would see more things in heaven than we do now.
opportunities, healing, visions, words of knowledge, direction for your future. Like it, it would be, it's an absolutely amazing thing to think about. God knows the future. You could actually have the future in your mind. Okay, so let's talk about some very practical things about having the mind of Christ or about thinking heavenly-minded that, that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think about. Uh, how many people got major problems in their life? Okay. Like, you've got problems that are so daunting, some of you. Like, you know that within your own abilities, you can't get through this. I got some good news for you. That's a good place to be because that means you need to rely on the Lord. But when we begin to stick our heads in heaven, you get an eternal perspective on our existence. You know that our bodies and our minds and our spirits and our souls were wired to live forever. Ever. You're, you're going to live forever. In light of eternity, tell me about your problems now. You're on the planet. I don't know, Stan Lee made it to 95, right? You're on the planet for 95 years. You have 95 years of problems and pain. You have an eternity of glory with God. So when we can get, this is, this is a very simple hack. This is a very simple mind hack when you're under a lot of stress and when you're under a lot of pressure. It is this very simple thing. This too shall pass. These are momentary troubles. These are momentary afflictions. My body's going to transform into a glorious body someday where I will have no more problems. When you poke your head into heaven and you actually see it, guess what's not there? Problems. There are no problems in heaven. You know, there, are, there is no stress in heaven. There's no anxiety in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no aging in heaven. So let's just poke your head in every once in a while. Take a look. Get a different perspective. Did you catch the point where it says, set your mind on things above? And then the verse before it says, set your heart on heavenly places. That also requires a bit of a posture. When your head is up, like when your head and your physical posture is literally up, things aren't as bad. So get your hopes up, get your head up, get your posture up, begin to think eternally. It's an incredible motivation, actually. It's an incredible advantage for perspective on where we're actually at. So set your mind on heavenly places, not on earthly places. A lot of us are in the grind, right? We've got to make it. We've got to hustle. I'm, all, I'm a big, giant proponent of hustling. If you're going to be a granite creaker, you have to hustle. 
You'll be like that guy that I ran off from church the other day. I prayed that he would get a job. He didn't like to hear that. I, what, what, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. All right, so you've got to do it. I'm sorry. Um, yet, what is our motivation for either burning the candle at both ends or making it happen or getting the white picket fence or the car or the RV and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that you can't have your material things, but let's put that stuff into perspective. I had a very close friend who, who lost his house in Northern California. Like, that's hard, right? Like, lost the house, burned to the ground, all the whole thing. What's even worse is he lost his 65 GT and his 66 Falcon. Uh, then there was a, a California special. He lost that, too. Like, his cars were worth more than his house. Now, this is so hard. I mean, this is a believer, folks. Like, this is, like, dude, this guy knows the, the guy probably knows the Bible better than I do, and he lost everything. Like, how do you get your head and your mind around that? Way too often in ministry, when we're, when we're ministering to you and ministering to the flock, one of the major problems and obstacles is this desire for material possessions. Guys are the worst. Our whole identity can get wrapped up into a vehicle. Our whole well-being and purpose in life can be completely consumed by the career. I mean, like when I'm trying to put a guy back together who's lost their job, like they have no identity because they sunk the whole identity in the, into the career. And then the career gets ripped away in an instant and they don't know who they are. Like I know who I am in Christ. If you guys fired me, I would still love Jesus. I would be completely confident in who I am in Jesus. I don't, I don't need the career, I don't need the job to know who I am. I know that he's always going to provide. But you see, this desire in this finding value in material objects, that's what drives stockbrokers to jump out of buildings when the market crashes. Do you see how sick that is? I mean, just think about that. I mean, none of us are in that kind of a boat. But when the market crashes, when it completely bottoms out, stockbrokers, suits, they jump out of buildings because they've lost their identity. Now, you see, when you have a heavenly perspective, like when you realize, okay, my car is not made of divine gold, right? It's really cool, maybe. Oh, gosh, I had a 66 Mustang. It was the worst decision of my life selling that car. The, I am still kicking myself on that one. It's a fastback, and I sold that thing. So it's so dumb, right? I'm still having issues with that material object, right? I'm still struggling with it. Uh, yes, I am. So it just came up again. <laughs> you know, just, oh, Lord, help me. 
You can't take it with you. You can't take your, your toys with you, right? They don't get to go to heaven with you. Your Winnebago won't make it. It's not going to fit through the pearly gates. Ah. Like, come on, Lord, then what am I here to do if I'm not here to gain toys? What am I here to do if, I, if I'm not here to get a mortgage I can't afford? Like, again, once again, you stick your head into heaven and you get a different perspective on things. Uh, your view of material objects completely changes. I still like objects. But they don't own me. I say that now, right? <laughs> they don't own me. I love objects. I'm a tactile person. I like to get my hands on stuff. But I can't let them make me a slave. So the heavenly perspective says, you know what? No. Like, it can all go and I'll be okay. The mind of Christ in you, in addition to having an eternal perspective and having a material perspective that's healthy, the mind of Christ in you, we talked about this last week, sees opportunities that you wouldn't normally see. Again, when Jesus was dying on the cross, in the worst pain that anyone has ever experienced on the planet, both physically and emotionally. He's like, what about that guy suffering next to me? Maybe, maybe we can get him to come into paradise too. I don't know about you, but when I'm in pain and when I'm, in, when I'm hurting, the only person that I'm thinking about is myself. I'm whining about my own pain. But you stick your head into heaven and your pain goes away. Because pain, again, is temporary, right? It's a momentary affliction. And so when you, I think that, like, like I don't like talking about this because I like, I like to feel good, right? But suffering is actually a part of the gospel. What? I thought we were supposed to live life and live it to the full. That's true. And, and you suffer for it. <laughs> like to get something that good, you got to pay the price. To actually walk into this stuff that I'd play around with all the time, the, the, the signs and the wonders and the miracles and, and seeing healings, situating myself to actually be a blessing to somebody else, that you've, it will cost you something. And the cost is different for everybody. I don't know, some of you it could be money, and some of you it could be, I don't know, position, or I don't know what it is. But if you want to change the world, like, God might call you to Africa, right? Like, if that thing is burning, like, okay, I mean, the Africa one is an easy one to think about, because we just, we just know it from church culture. Um, to, people do this. Like, people do this all the time. They sell everything that they have, and they go live in an orphanage to take care of orphans. Like, this stuff happens, folks. It is 
It doesn't make any sense. It is not rational. It's going to be a very difficult topic to say in Claremont because this is the school, of, the school, the city of trees and PhDs, right? And trust me, I like my intellectual mind. I even like my rational mind. And, and I don't, you know, God has not called us to be dumb Christians at all. Yet, like, when you read this, there's nothing rational about it. I mean, some people will argue with me. But, like, it's telling us to believe in something we can't see. It's telling us to believe in something that, that has no physical form anymore. I mean, it does. It's in heaven at the right, right hand of the Father. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for people to become missionaries and go to Africa. It doesn't make any sense for people to go into ministry. It's not a rational decision. Unless you're in Texas. Where church is big business. Uh oh, that just came out. Sorry. <laughs> the mind that is thinking of heavenly things that's stuck into heaven sees opportunities that the normal rational person doesn't see. When you are with somebody that has train wrecked their life, like when it, they are, they're a basket case, they're a wreck, and I, I'm guilty of this too, the natural reaction is to say, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do with, for you. You're, you're done. You're over. I, have you been around people like this? Or have you ever had those feelings? Or have you had those impulses, those emotions? It also looks like this when you're driving by one of them. You see somebody begging for money on the, on the freeway entrance and exits. You know you can't do anything for them, so you give them a couple of bucks. It's unsanctified grace, by the way. That, that's grace that you gave them and grace that the Lord didn't give them. And you think that you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart. But you're actually just relieving your own guilt. If you really did care for the individual, you, you take the time and stop your car and actually have a conversation. Relationship and not religion. When we throw money at things, then it becomes religion. But a relationship is transformative. Another thing that Ezekiel did after he stuck his head into heaven for a while, saw all this crazy stuff, like he has this vision of dead people coming to life. Bones that begin to animate. It could, uh, it could definitely have been a future prophetic vision of the resurrection, or it could be a symbolic vision of us. Some of us are zombies, and we haven't been fully killed yet by Jesus. That's right, I said it. Did you? Because it's in the Bible. We just read it, right? He said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because you are dead. Wait, what? He says, you are, you're dead, you're finished, you're gone. Like, Jesus has died. Have you died yet? Maybe you just accepted him, but you haven't taken the time to die yet. And when you die, 
you know I'm talking figuratively, right? Okay, just being clear. When your old nature dies, you become the new person. You literally put on Jesus's clothes. They call it the mantle. You put you put on his mantle. You begin you be, the, the whole idea. You know what, what's the the famous saying? Uh, clothes define the man, right? Well, you be, you put you put on his clothes, and the whole idea and the whole purpose is that you transform into his likeness. You begin to act like him. Begin to do the things that he does. You begin to think like him. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine if you thought like Jesus? And I'm telling you, look, it doesn't happen necessarily overnight. Like it can. Like the transformation can take place that quick, but it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. You put on the mantle, you put on the cloak, um, but maybe they don't fit quite right. Hmm? Maybe the clothes don't fit. But the more that we begin to change our habits and we change our our, our behavior, we allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to work on us, then the clothes fit a little bit better. You ever lost weight and your clothes feel differently on you? And that's what's going on in, in the spiritual realm. It costs something to get spiritually fit. It's going to require your time. It's going to require your obedience. It's going to require sacrifice. And again, that looks different for everybody. But those are, the, those are the qualifications for it. I know this for a fact. God has not called us to be mediocre Christians. He hasn't called us just to settle. He's called us and, and as far as the world is concerned, he's called us to become unusual for him. Like the world sees us and it doesn't make sense. Like, oh, what? That's, that's kind of weird. That's kind of crazy. See, when the world sees you as a little odd and a little different and like that doesn't make sense, why would you do that? That's a good thing. That is a good testimony. When people are like, I don't understand why you're, why you're doing this. But I'm extremely attracted to whatever it is that's going on inside of your heart. That's, that, that's the telltale that you know that you're, you're stepping into heavenly places and you're beginning to think with a heavenly mind. The other bits of the scripture. It says that you are hidden in Christ. You're dead and that you are hidden in Christ in God. That is a profound mystery to actually be hidden in Christ. What in the world does that mean? You can maybe get a general idea, but this is one that requires meditation. God, what does it mean for me to be hidden in you? And then the next little line is the one that's very uncomfortable. For Jesus is your life. I mean, how many of us can really say that? You see the little YouTube video? The little boy says, oh my gosh, Chipotle is my life. Have you seen that? I have, a, I have an 11-year-old daughter. I see this stuff all the time. Uh, see, you feel my pain. Um, what is your life? What is your life? Is Jesus your life? Or is it the stuff? Is it the only other stuff that we talked about? What is your life? Uh, and then the other bit of it, 
It says, you know, cast away or forsake all earthly desires, lust, uh, impurity, evil desires, sexual immorality. Like we can all lump those into basically one giant category, right? You get it, right? It says, begin, wait, don't think about, get your head on heavenly things, get your chin up, think about things that are lovely, that are pure, that are beautiful, that are good, that are praiseworthy, that are excellent. All those things we need to be thinking about and begin to, to basically um, obsess about. And then the contrast is, we know this, we know this, we know this. Okay, I mean, it's amazing. The Bible says, you know, you need to quit thinking about immoral things and lustful things and sexual immorality. You need to quit thinking about these things. Because the I mean, bottom line is, they're bad for you. Here's the amazing thing about modern science, is that we know that it's true. Like people that, that, are, that are addicted to lustful behavior, people that are addicted to pornography, like it actually messes up their mind. They become mentally dysfunctional when they're obsessing about those things. Isn't it amazing that the Bible's right? Like, you don't believe me. Like, there's TED Talks on this about people trying to get away from sexual addiction. It's so destructive to the psyche of the human person. So we get that, right? Everybody gets that. Bottom line, don't be a pervert. We get it, right? Amen? Totally get it. Makes sense? Yet, you know, tell that junior, boy, junior high boy something else. We get it. But the next part is, okay, cast away all those evil desires and all that kind of stuff. And then did you catch the other one? Greed. Which is a separate category. We get the desires of the flesh. We get, the, you know, we get that. The next one is not so easy to get. It's the greed one. Isn't it amazing that in one, it, with one that we always would talk about and spend a whole lot of time with, we rarely talk about that other one or we rarely recognize it within our own hearts. Like, I want you to, to do some soul searching on the whole greed thing. You know what it says about greed? It says greed is, is idolatry. And what is idolatry? Idolatry is... All right, let's just pretend we're going to worship this horse. We're going to worship the object because the horse is going to give us good luck and good fortune. And it's going to, the, the horse is going to, we're going to do really well in Las Vegas if we rub this horse's head five times and spin around backwards and say our special chant. And then the stars will line up and we'll bless us and we'll get a good roll. Why? Because our hearts are greedy. How do you know if you're a greedy person? Oh, you ready for this one? Like, you can ask Jesus. You could do a little soul searching. If you do a little soul searching, this is what you're going to come up with. I'm a good person. I know I've done this one. You begin to do some soul searching. I'm a good person, right? You ask your neighbors who don't go to church, who aren't, don't love Jesus, they're going to say, I'm a good person. Everybody says it. Everybody says it. There's very few people. That, some people say, oh, I've done some bad things, but basically I'm a good person. Everybody says it. You know, if you ask them, are you greedy? Some people might be a little bit honest. 
If you ask a Christian if they're greedy, they're going to say no. So how do you know if greed has gotten a hold of you like lust has gotten a hold of you? How do you know if your issue is an idolatry issue or your issue is a uh, desires of the flesh issue? The greed one's really easy to figure out. You check your checkbook. That's it. Like, where your heart is is where your treasure is. So if you want to know if you are a greedy, selfish person, person, just check to see where you spend your money. That's the most practical thing that you can do to figure out if you're greedy or not. That one's tough, huh? Are you guys okay? You didn't like that one, did you? It's true, though. That is how we measure greed. All of the idols, all of the idolatry, they were all money mammon-based. The Lord says that you can't serve mammon and the Lord at the same time. Mammon is the god of, of money. Now, once again, money is not evil, but what is evil? If it is the love of money that's evil. You know, the Lord is so good. He's so kind and he's so generous. We don't understand everything this side of heaven. But he loves you so much that if this stuff, if the objective stuff, if the drive to succeed, the drive to have more, the, the drive to get some more toys, if that stuff is keeping you from popping your head into heaven, like, he just might take it away. And it might be the best thing that's ever happened to you. That one's tough to hear as Americans, isn't it? He wants to draw you in closer. And he'll use any means necessary to get your attention. He is that good. All right, let me get the band and the ushers to come on up. There they are. You guys doing good? God, right now, we just pray that you just continue just to turn our attention towards you. I pray that right now we even get our, our we share some same headspace with you this morning. It is so amazing when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and through us. And so, God, right now, we want to be open and receptive to what you have to say. We know that you are a good God and you are good all the time. And we know that you have a fresh revelation lined up for us. And the joy of the Lord is, and there's nothing sweeter than that. And so God, with thanksgiving and with praise, we want to enter into your headspace. We want to enter into your way of thinking for our lives. So bless us, Lord, as we give back to you this morning. In your name, amen.